It is Wednesday, April 20th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And we brought a special guest on today to help us preview the other half of this year's offensive rookie class. Jared and I hit the QBs and running backs on last week's pod. Today, it's the wide receivers and tight ends. Before we get rolling, though, let me remind you that you can find oodles of prospect scouting reports now on DraftSharks.com. Today's spotlight is on Khalil Shakir, a player I know I've been antsy to read more about, so I'm looking forward to getting a chance to read that one. He is prospect number 32 in our totally free series, so check out every one of those with still more to come as we're just days away from the NFL draft. We'll see whether Shakir comes up in today's discussion, of course, because it is wide receiver day, it is tight end day, and joining us is the creator of WalterFootball.com, which has been online just about as long as fantasy football itself has. Walter Kierapinski, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for having me on, guys. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about WalterFootball.com. Yeah, so uh, I made it in 1999. Uh, it was a class project in high school. And um, my, my teacher said, just keep rolling with it. So I did. And it was a hobby for a while. And then I decided in college I wanted to do journalism. And then I eventually turned this into my full-time job. So I've been doing it since 1999. Uh, we cover everything in the NFL. We do mock drafts. Charlie Campbell and I, uh, or Charlie's our senior NFL draft analyst. Uh, we both have mock drafts updated every week. Uh, we have fantasy rankings. We have picks against the spread. We grade every free agency signing and trade. So, yeah, we have, we have tons of content on waltzofootball.com, and uh, everything's free. So, you know, if, if you haven't heard about it, uh, come check it out. Walter football was one of the first places I remember going to read mock drafts on the internet. And this was, you know, well before every person out there had a mock draft. There were, you know, very few to find out there. And Walter football, I remember, is one of the, the first places I remember reading those. I used to, I used to love it. Uh, th- yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, it's. I, I think we did our first mock draft in 2001. When I first started the site, it was in 99. It was just picks and power rankings. And then, uh, you know, kind of fell in love with the NFL draft. So, uh, yes, it's um, I think this is our 21st year doing uh, NFL draft coverage. Yeah. Have you seen the mock draft realm develop since then? Because I was in on that early time, too, where there it wasn't, you know, they weren't quite so prevalent. So talk about like how it has changed since you guys started doing those. Yeah, I mean, there weren't that many mock drafts when we first started. Um, and I think like the peak was probably like 2014, 2015. Uh, I felt like everyone had a mock draft at that point. Um, we have a mock draft database on the website where we just list uh, everyone's mock drafts a- across the web. And I think that like those two years, we had like 500 mock drafts in, in the database, which is insane. It- it's gone down a little since probably just people getting tired of doing mock drafts because it's so hard to predict the NFL draft. So I think we have like more than 100 in there right now. But yeah, it's definitely gotten way more popular than it, than it was when we first started. I know for me personally, once everybody was doing it, I was like, I don't really feel so much like doing it now that everybody's right. got a mock draft. But are there any other features like draft features that that readers particularly gravitate to? Are people still as interested in reading the mock drafts, do you find, as they used to be? Yeah, the, the mock drafts are still our most popular um, segment of the website. So people still are definitely into that. Um, they're just not as into making their own mock drafts, but they still like to read them. We do NFL draft grades. So after every pick, we grade um, each player. And that's that's really popular during uh, draft weekend. And the picks against the spread has gotten uh, way more popular, too. I, I think with 
with betting being more prevalent, people are just more into like betting coverage. So people like that more. And and we do some NFL draft props as well, which we're going to do next week. We don't have those up yet, but I've, I've started looking at those. So I think uh, I like some of them. Yeah, we still can't bet props in New York. I have no mm. idea why, but I've been waiting, waiting for some reason. No, no NFL draft props in New York State. Maybe that's, someday that's we'll, we'll prove that we're responsible enough to take on that new thing, Jared. All right. So we came here primarily today to break down this class of wide receivers and tight ends. Obviously, looking at it from a fantasy angle, but you know, part of it is just figuring out who's going to be a long-term good player in the NFL and what types of players we're looking at. So let's start by looking through the wide receivers that have risen to the top of this class. And we've, we've come to a fairly good consensus of five that seem likely to go in round one. So Jared, you're our wide receiver guy. Why don't you decide the, the order in which we go through these guys and who we start with? Let's start with the guy who I have at the top right now. It's Drake London. Uh, Walter, what are your what are your thoughts on London? Actually, can we can we start with this before we get into the prospects? I just want to know what your your process is when evaluating wideouts or really any position. Like, do you lean on tape? Do you lean on college production? Is it a you know fifty fifty split of both? You know, how do you how do you go about evaluating all these incoming rookies? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, a lot of it is is what you said. Also, uh, I mentioned Charlie Campbell before. He talks to a, a lot of people in the NFL. I, I don't understand how he talks to so many people, but they, they give him <laughs> they give him the feedback and they say, "Hey, we think this guy is it should be a lot higher." Uh, Charlie sends them their mock drafts and like, "Hey, this guy should be a lot higher. Uh, we're not we're not too keen on this guy." Uh, so so we also get a lot of feedback from teams as well uh, what they think about prospects, and it, it's so funny how. You know, sometimes teams are just so different on prospects. Not a wide receiver, but an example I would say is Deshaun Watson, where um, like the Texans obviously love them and the Chiefs did too. Uh, but we talked to one team uh, in the NFC that had a third round grade on Watson. So like th- these teams are just so uh, like bipolar mm-hmm. on these on these prospects. So, but what we do as well, like I said, we get a lot of feedback from teams too. That's the kind of insight that I love these days because, you know, a lot of us at this point can look at what's going on with all the mock drafts. You can consolidate them and check one of the databases and get a pretty good idea of where these guys are likely to go heading in. But we don't really learn what the NFL thinks of the players until the draft happens, except for, you know, guys like that who are plugged in, who can talk to folks in the league who have that kind of insight. Yeah. And even if you think about it, even the NFL draft only tells us the highest some team was willing to take this guy. It doesn't tell us, you know, what the rest of the league felt about any specific player. Um, so, yeah, so Drake London, he feels like a guy who the NFL might be kind of split on. Um, I know there's the whole, like, you know, contested catch debate, like, you know, should be dock guys who do a lot of that because they're not creating separation. I I see enough separation ability in London still. I mean, he's obviously going to win in the contested catch department, major, uh, you know, for the most part, he's, a, you know, former basketball player and, and plays football like that. Uh, what, so what, what are your thoughts on London? Uh, where is he in your wide receiver rankings? Yeah. Drake London is, uh, he's someone who's fallen recently just because uh, he hasn't been, been able to work out. Um, Charlie just posted a stock report, having him down. Uh, the lines like uh, London a lot. Uh, they, they saw him as the next Mike Evans and, you know, Mike Evans, I believe went seventh in his draft, but this is a weaker draft class. So it kind of makes sense to take a Mike Evans type of player at number two. Uh, but he hasn't been able to work out. Uh, so I, I have him now going number 18 in my mock drafts to the Eagles. Uh, so I think he's going to go uh, like around the teens. But if he were healthier, I think there's a good chance he would be the first uh, receiver off the board. Although you could say that about Jamison Williams, too. So it's kind of this, this draft class is kind of disappointing 
overall because you have you have a lot of players not just the receivers who have like some sort of issue like either off the field or injury um drake london's one of those guys who's going to fall a little bit because uh he's he's banged up and not 100 percent. yeah it was a broken right ankle for london so i don't know I, i'm not a doctor but that doesn't seem like a long-term injury that i'm worried about um have you heard do, do nfl teams like london as an outside receiver or more as a big slot guy because he was a slot receiver his first two seasons at usc and then shifted to the outside this past year I think he could play anywhere. Uh, he's just so talented. Um, I, I feel like you could use him uh, all over the field. And I, I like he's he's just a, a great prospect. And, and you're right. I mean, the ankle isn't that big of a deal. But the fact that he hasn't been able to work out, like teams just don't have sure. the measurables on him. Um, so I, I like I don't think he's going to fall too far. He's not going to fall uh, some like some of the other guys uh, who have been injured. But yeah, I, I feel like London's just a great prospect. Yeah, it seems like where something like that can hurt is when you have a, kind of a tightly packed group in a class like this one, where it could just be a tiebreaker if a team's high on three wideouts and one of them they haven't been able to get workout numbers on. You know, like if we look back at last year, there were questions about Jamar Chase coming off a year away from football. It didn't hurt him. He went fourth overall and then dominated in the first year. So I don't think it's going to hurt somebody if they're ahead of everybody else on everything else. So we'll see about that. I'm curious on Drake London. Uh, Dwayne McFarlane, I believe, passed along that London hadn't run a whole lot of the NFL routes compared to other guys in this class. So uh, there's some projection on what he's able to do on that front. And I'm sure that's going to differ by team. I think that's where it's going to be interesting to see where London does go, because there have been projections inside the top 10. There have been others more lately in the late teens, like you mentioned, Walt. I'm very curious to see if he's the first wide receiver in the draft at like seven or if he does dip to like 19. Yeah, I mean, these receivers, I think it's a good point saying that they're so close together that it could be a tiebreaker. Um, so, yeah, I think his draft range is pretty, pretty wide. Uh, like I said before, the Lions were considering him a two, uh, but they, they fall in love with Trayvon Walker, so they're they're probably going to take him. But yeah, I, th- I think you could s- see him sneak inside the top ten. Like I could see Atlanta at number eight, Seattle if they trade Metcalf number nine, the Jets at ten. Like he could go that high, or because he hasn't been able to work out, uh, maybe he falls uh, because the other receivers rise. So I have him number eighteen. That feels like the bottom though. Like I, I don't see him falling uh, past the Eagles really. If you had to guess right now, who do, who do you think will be the first receiver off the board? I think it's going to be uh, – it's, uh, it's so close. It's either Garrett Wilson or Jamison Williams. I, I think if Williams were healthy, I think he would be the first receiver off the board. So it, it really depends on how teams feel uh, he is coming off the torn ACL. Uh, in my mock draft, it, it's, it's one pick apart. I have Garrett Wilson going 10 to the Jets and then Williams going 11 to Washington. Have you and Charlie found anything in talking to teams that – does the league think differently about ACL tears now than it used to? I mean, obviously in general, it's easier to come back from now, but does it maybe worry a drafting team a little bit less now than it used to, to have a prospect coming off that injury? Yeah, I think it definitely, um, it's definitely less impactful than it once was. Um, I mean, it's still a concern. Like if Williams were healthy, he would probably be in the conversation number four or maybe even number three to the Texans. I, I think he's he's that good. Uh, so I, I think he goes like like between eight and uh, I want to say 15. I think that's his range. So it hurts him a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think teams are definitely um, you know less scared of guys coming off the sort of injury. And Jared, you're similarly high on Jamison Williams, right? 
Yeah, I mean, he's he's the most exciting. He's the most fun receiver to watch in this class just because of that speed. Like it, like I, I think the best word for it is, is unnatural speed. Like you just watch defenders; they're, they're not used to seeing someone that fast. It almost surprises them when they just you know they take a bad angle on Williams after the catch because they're just not used to playing against guys that fast, even in the SEC. And, and Williams, I think the biggest knock against him, I guess, besides Daysale, is that he did absolutely nothing in his two years at, at Ohio State which would be a concern for me in a lot of cases. But when you go to Alabama, you know, against the best competition in college football and put up the type of numbers he did this past season, I'm not really concerned about the fact that he was just a one-year producer. So as long as that knee checks out, I could definitely see Williams, you know, kind of developing into the top receiver in this class. Right. It's kind of like the receiver version of Kenneth Walker, where you would question him having to go somewhere else to produce, but it's not like he went to a directional Michigan school, right? Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, the, the competition there is, is is elite, right, in college. So I, I, I think there there's really no concern there. I mean, he's, he's just so talented. Um, it's just the, the injury that's the, it's the only worry, I think. So both of these guys seem like they should be pretty good fantasy contributors going forward. Are there any worries from either of you guys on London or Jamison Williams from a, from a fantasy standpoint? I guess for me, it really depends on where they land. So, like for example, the Packers and the Chiefs, they both have two first-round picks. So, if one of them moves up, way up uh, for one of these receivers, you would you would love them in fantasy. Uh, maybe maybe not Williams in his first year because of the ACL. I'm I'm always wary on taking receivers uh, with the with the ACL. But you know that's obviously a better situation than if they go to Houston or the Jets with questionable quarterbacking. So we have to really see where these guys land. I think that'll how we think about them in fantasy. I think one potential concern for Williams is he was 6'2", 179 pounds at the combine. Bama had him listed at 189. And I've heard that, you know, it might've been the rehab from the ACL. He he dropped some weight. Uh, But if if he's, you know, playing under 180 at 6'2", that'd be a concern. But if he can get up into that 190 range, I think it's less of a concern. It didn't, you know, his play strength to me on tape wasn't a big issue at Bama last year. Besides that size is like Devonte Smith after a protein regimen. <laughs> right. So a couple of guys who did stay at Ohio state and produce Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, both in this class, Jared, why don't you start helping us sort these two? It sounds like Garrett Wilson is a pretty good bet to go ahead of Olave. Yeah. I think to me, Wilson would be my bet to be the first receiver off the board. It just seems like he's the cleanest of these prospects. He is such a dynamic mover he's fun to watch too he creates a ton of separation in his routes he's really tough to bring to the ground after the catch put up two nice seasons of college production never actually led ohio state in receiving it was olave back in 2020 and then jackson smith and jigba who looks like an absolute stud in next year's class who kind of led ohio state this past year but you know wilson considering the target competition he was facing at Ohio State, I think put up nice college numbers. Again, I think the tape is awesome. Again, I think size is probably my biggest concern with Wilson. He's six foot, 183 pounds. Um, You know, that might put him mostly into the slot at the NFL level. Uh, Walter, what what are you hearing about what NFL teams think about Wilson and kind of his projection in the NFL? Yeah, I think that's the the one concern with him is his size. He's only 6'0", and usually the, the receivers that go in the top 10 are like 6'2 or taller. Yep. So, but but I, I, given his his great ability with, like, he's so explosive and fast, I, I think he still has a chance to go in the top 10. Like, the, the Jets seem like a, like a great fit for him based on what they've done in the past and, and taking, like, the high upside guys. Um, I, I think they would maybe take a shot on Wilson or maybe, maybe James Williams. But the size is the only concern. I, like, if he were 6'2 or 6'3, I right. think we'd be talking about him maybe being a top five pick. Uh, that's the only issue, though. He's, he's, he's a great prospect otherwise. My comparison for Garrett Wilson is Kadarius Tony. I think they have that movement ability. It's just kind of 
different. Um, I've, I've heard some Odell Beckham comparisons for Wilson. I think that's, that's a bit lofty, but Tony is a guy that Wilson kind of reminded me of when I was watching him. So Chris Olave, obviously coming out with Garrett Wilson doesn't help having Smith and Jigba there hurts his stat production as well, but he's put up big numbers at Ohio state. Seems like a lock for the first round over the past few years. It's kind of emerged that we need to be wary of guys who aren't early declares at wideout, but this might be a little bit different year on that front because, you know, if Olave had declared last year, it was coming off the shortened COVID year. So that could be altering at, at least a class or two here for what we can expect. Walt, what's your outlook on Chris Olave overall? I, I mean, he's, uh, I have him going to Houston at number 13. So he's not too far behind Wilson. He, he's a, an explosive player, an amazing route runner too. I, I think that's, it's pretty a great feature for him. Uh, the, the worry there, though, is you know he's again he's six zero, kind of kind of like Wilson. But there's some durability concerns too with him, and and maybe that's that's why he's going a little bit later. But he he's going to be right in that range. Like these receivers we talk about, these four receivers, uh, I feel like they can go in any order, uh, basically. Um, I, although I think Olave is is probably going to go after Wilson. But yeah, you know, if some team took Olave over Wilson, I wouldn't be too surprised. Jared, Chris Olave was the like the first guy in this class to really pop to me just because at this point, my college football watching is basically bowl games and the Justin Fields film last year when we were getting yep. ready for him to enter the league. So in watching Justin Fields, I was like, ooh, I can't wait till that receiver yeah. is coming into the league. So what what's your early outlook for Olave for fantasy and kind of sorting him with these other first round wideouts? Yeah, he's such a tough evaluation for me because he you know, he broke out as a sophomore had a, a massive junior season, averaged over 100 receiving yards per game as a junior again, uh, alongside Garrett Wilson, beat Wilson in all major receiving categories. But Olave took a step back last year in terms of you know raw production, which again, you can explain away a bit by you know having to compete with Wilson and Jackson Smith and Jigba. But if you look at you know stuff like PFF receiving grade and yards per route run, Olave took a step back in those categories last year as well, again, as a senior. Um, so that's sort of the tricky part with me i'm with walter i think his size is a bit of a concern he can sort of get beat up by physical coverage and olave doesn't offer anything after the catch he forced uh, pff had him for nine broken tackles forced for his entire college career i think olave might be the safest wide receiver prospect he might be the most nfl ready of these guys but i don't see the ceiling of a London or a Garrett Wilson or a Traylon Burke. So we'll talk about next. Like I sort of think Olave is going to max out as a number two wide receiver in the NFL. You see him the same way, Walt, a lower ceiling than those other guys. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I think he has a lower ceiling. Um, I, I would say, I think you're right in saying he's, he's probably one of the safer receivers. Uh, I think maybe Wilson might be a little bit safer just because Olave has the durability concerns. If he didn't have those, I think, I think you'd be, I think he'd probably be the safer guy, but he's definitely safer than the injured receivers for sure. What were the injuries? What's the durability with Olave? He's like one of the smaller uh, receivers in the first round. He can get beat up, like like you were saying. Uh, like the, some teams were talking about, like how they don't know if he could last a, a full NFL season uh, consistently. So um, it's it's not like specific injuries or anything. It's just um, just a worry about like being in the NFL every week and getting beat up by cornerbacks. Cornerback, one last note I had on Olave because you know we talked about the fact that he stayed in school for four years, um, but he's actually he's he's only 21 years old. He's actually only a month older than Garrett Wilson, and he's actually three months younger than Traylon Burke. So you know, I don't know if, if we go by experience and you know, we don't like that the guy stays off four years, but age wise, you know he's right there with Wilson and Burks, and you know he's only uh, like a half year older than uh, Drake London. 
Yeah, and, and we'll see what the COVID effect is, but I think that just in viewing this year's class, we kind of have to at least downgrade it a little bit and say we're not coming off a regular 2020 season. Even the season itself looked a lot looked very different for a lot of teams. So, you know, we'll see where it goes. Um, Traylon Burks, you guys have each already mentioned, the last of these top five. It seems like the five that are locks to go in round one. Traylon Burks, though, has people all over the place. There are some – you know, Twitter fantasy folks who are like, this guy is the highest ceiling wide out in the class. You're crazy if you don't have him at number one. There are others who are like, why do you like Traylon Burks first in this class? Uh, he clearly isn't that guy. So I guess where is he to you guys? Jared, where is where is Traylon Burks for you? Closer to the top or the bottom of this top five? Closer to the top only because I think he might have the highest ceiling of this group and you factor his skill set and his size. You know, he's 225 pounds. Um, and, and I, I see the concerns on tape. Like he, he doesn't create separation on the short intermediate stuff. Um, he, he's at his best either working downfield. I, I think he plays faster than he timed. I saw him run by some sec cornerbacks and then he is awesome with the ball in his hands. You know, I, th- there are comparisons, I think to Debo Samuel with Burks, at least as a, you know, after catch guy. And then you look at the production. It's like, it's tough to really knock the guy too much. He led Arkansas in receiving yards as a true freshman, easily led the team in his sophomore and junior years in catches, receiving yards and touchdowns, just massive market shares fared really well in yards per route run fared really well in PFF receiving grade. Um, and even the testing stuff, like I, I guess, I think it was disappointing only because people expected more, but if you actually look at the numbers at his size, like it wasn't a bad combine. He just, you know, Burks just didn't test as a freak athlete. He tested as, you know, just a good athlete. Yeah. I think we always have to put these numbers into context. You can't just look at the number itself. He smoked Alabama this year. Um, and I think he was the one who said he tries to pattern his game after Debo. Well, how do you feel about Traylon Burks? Yeah, I like Burks. Um, the concern is uh, like the four five five, right? I mean, he's the slowest of the of the first round receivers, but at two twenty five, I mean, like obviously he's going to be slower than the other guys who are one eighty. Uh, so I I don't think that's a concern for me. I, I know teams have some issues uh, with him, uh, as you were saying, you know, with the the separation issues. Plus, uh, they're they're questioning his deep speed. But I, I like him a lot. I mean, he's he's a good route runner. He's great after the catch. He's, he's an explosive player. I, I think he has amazing upside. But I, I think he's definitely the number five of these five receivers. Uh, like, I, it, like I was saying before, like it wouldn't surprise me if Olave went before Wilson, but it, it would surprise me if Burks went before Wilson, so, for example. So I, I have him uh, going to Tennessee in my mock draft. He's been around the mid-20s. For me, like I've had him going to Dallas a lot. I, I know the Cowboys would be really interested in him, but I have uh, Dallas going guard now. So I have him slipping to Tennessee. So I, I think his range is, is lower than the other guys. Like I think whereas like, you know, Drake London, his, his floor is probably 18, 19. I think Burks's ceiling is probably around there, like 18, 19, like Eagle Saints uh, around that range. Yeah. Almost makes me like him better in fantasy because you have, you know, Dallas down there in the twenties. And that's where, you know, green Bay and Kansas city are, you know, Tennessee wouldn't be a great landing spot, but um, I think those teams picking in the twenties and, you know, like 30 with Kansas city, that's kind of um, prime spot for a top landing spot for one of these uh, uh, wideouts. Would Jerry Jones even be able to pass on a star wide receiver from Arkansas? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. He would uh, have some sleepless nights if he did. <laughs> right. So, and right now, of course, we're trying to sort these guys out for their draft class. And I, I know you say, Walt, but, you would be surprised if Burks is closer to the top of it than the bottom. Ultimately, performance-wise, though, would it surprise you if Traylon Burks ends up being the most productive of these five first-round wideouts? 
Oh no, definitely not. I mean, I I love Traylon Burks. I just know teams aren't as high on him as as, as like I am or other people are. But you know, I, I think that was there's a good point made where you know the later he goes, it might be better for him. Like not short term financially, but you know if he goes to Dallas for example and plays with Prescott, or if he goes to Green Bay at 22 and plays with Aaron Rodgers, that that would be great for his career. And, and I, I like him overall as a as a prospect too. So yeah, I, I, I it would not surprise me at all if, if if in the end Burks is the number one receiver in this class. All right, so outside those top five, who do you expect or who's most likely among these wideouts to, to sneak into the first round? I also have Christian Watson actually have him going ahead of, of Burks at number 22 to Green Bay, just, just because it's a fit of what Green Bay has done. Uh, if you look at their past drafts, uh, they've, they've kind of swung for the fences. They've taken guys who, you know, kind of like a Darnell Savage, like people expected Savage to go later. Also, Rashawn Gary, like they took him a little earlier than people thought. Uh, Christian Watson is is kind of the the player that the Packers have drafted. It's just like the the home run threat, and he has so much upside. Uh, so I, I think that he could go to Green Bay or Kansas City. I, I think he could sneak into the first round for sure. Uh, maybe he could definitely go in the second, but I think that he would probably be the sixth receiver uh, to go, either the fifth or the sixth. What about you, Jared? <laughs> I, I think Watson in the first round would be a major mistake. I don't, I mean, I, I get the upside cause he's a, he is a freak athlete, like a truly elite athlete. I just, I think he's a major project at this point. I'd rather see green Bay or Kansas city take George Pickens there to me. He's outside of the top five. He's the guy that has the highest ceiling in this wide receiver class. I uh, you know five-star recruit. He was a top five recruit in his class coming to Georgia, um, had an awesome freshman season, led Georgia in receiving as a true freshman, took a, Bit of a step back as a sophomore, still had a decent season. Then he had the, the torn ACL that kind of cost him this past year. But if he can, you know, recapture that freshman year form, I think Pickens is a guy who, you know, could could be like a number one receiver at the NFL level within the next couple of years. Where you at on George Pickens, Walt? Yeah, like Pickens. I mean, the, the ACL is definitely a concern. Um, mm-hmm. I, I know he came back from it a little bit and, and did well, but that that is an issue for sure. Um, so I think that might push him into the second round. Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if some team took him late in the first. I think you can argue that for uh, uh, for Watson or Dotson uh, from Penn State. I think he, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see eight receivers going in the first round. I, I think it's more likely we see six. But given how much teams have been spending uh, financially on receivers, uh, I think that'll push these guys up earlier than than people think they'll go. I know at least in his first mock draft, Josh Norris from Underdog had Sky Moore up at, at 19. I think he had him in round one. So. It's going to be interesting down around the bottom of that, you know, top five, top six, end of round one to see what teams are valuing, especially in a class where people aren't all that excited about a whole lot. It's easier to talk yourself into a wide receiver in that range, especially when you get that fifth year on the contract to potentially control the guy if he works out. Now, I think it's not only important to look at these guys versus each other, but to try to get some context by comparing them to the past couple years classes as well. And I think when you look at this year's group versus the past two, it it lines up pretty well. I mean, if we look at last year, obviously Jamar Chase is the top one and we don't have, it doesn't seem like we have a prospect in this class that's at Jamar Chase's level, but that is the case in most classes at wide receiver. Jamar Chase is a special prospect behind him though. In round one last year, we had Jalen Waddle. We had Devante Smith, Kadarius, Tony, Rashad Bateman, the year before, we had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, Jalen Rager, Justin Jefferson, Brandon Ayuk as first-round wideouts. That seems very similar to me, Jared, value-wise, to what we have in this year's prospects. Does it, does it look similar to you in that there's this you know pretty wide group of 
seemingly first round worthy wideouts, not necessarily one clear standout at the top, plenty of room to pick out your favorite. Yeah. I don't like the top of this class as much as I did either the last two classes. I mean, obviously Jamar Chase kind of in a tier of his own, even Devonte Smith, I would have had, you know, as the top receiver, if he had come out this year, I would have had him over all these guys. Um, I do like the depth of this class better than the last couple of the like wide receivers, four, five, six, seven. I think I like this year better than last year. So I, so I think, you know, a bit deeper, but not as strong at the top to me. Well, how do you think it stacks up versus the last two years classes? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it's not as strong at the top, but it's, it's deeper than it was last year. Although I mean, 2020 was an amazing class, like not just at the top, but also depth wise. I mean, you had like Chase Claypool and then Brandon Ayuk and, and um, Michael Pittman Jr. and like all those guys. So I, I think if you were going to grade uh, the 2020 class as an A plus and 2021 as an A, I think this is probably like an A minus. It's, it's still a really good class, just not elite like we've seen in the past couple of years. But it's definitely one of the best uh, positional classes in in this in 2022. You know, this is a pretty weak class overall. Like, for example, like Hutchison's going to go number one probably. I think in a normal year he's going to be like four or five or six. Uh, he's not like a Joey Bosa or a Nick Bosa or Chase Young. So you're going to have these receivers pushed up. I think, and that's why I was saying I think there's a chance uh, you might see eight receivers in the first round. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a great receiving class overall. Just not as elite as we saw the past couple of years. Yeah, as I mentioned, five first-round wideouts last year, five more in round two, six in round one in 2027 more in round two. To me, though, this still looks similar to that 2020 group because, you know, if we look back on it now, Justin Jefferson looks like the, you know, all-time stud from that class, but he was fifth off the board among wideouts there. And that, to me, kind of draws a parallel to this year's group where is our Jerry Judy or I guess were Jerry Judy and or CeeDee Lamb ahead of whoever your top two are in this class, Jared? I think I would have had Lamb and Judy ahead, although they they're, they kind of be in the same tier for me as guys like Jamison Williams, Drake London, Garrett Wilson. You know, I, again, just like Jamar Chase and Devontae Smith, I, I had those two guys ahead of anyone from the last two classes. All right, so we already talked about any other wideouts who might sneak into round one this year, and we've kind of touched on this next group as well. But while some favorite day two and day three prospects, and you know, feel free to – to rehash somebody that we touched on or mention any new guys um, that jump into this mix, your favorite wideouts in, in terms of day two, day three, likely prospects this year. Yeah. there are a lot of day two guys. Um, and that, that's what I'm talking about. Like the depth of this class, uh, receiving class. Um, we talked about Pickens already um, Watson, you know, maybe he falls to day two. And in, in that case, I, I like him a lot uh, as a, as a value pick. Dotson, I mentioned uh, Sky Moore uh, was discussed as well. Um, I don't know if he's going to go as high as the 19, but you know, you never know how teams feel about these guys. So he's a dangerous slot receiver. Uh, the, the size is the only issue with him, but you know, he's looking good for for day two. Alec Pierce, uh, he's big, he's a good route runner, and Wandale Robinson is is someone. Uh, a couple months ago, we had in the first round just because we have uh, we heard from a couple of teams that they really liked him. Uh, but he's probably going to go in day two. Just some size and durability questions, but he's a he's a great route runner, great route runner, and very explosive too. So, yeah, there's a bunch of guys you can like in day two. It's looking like a great depth uh, receiving class. Yeah, when teams are looking for a first round wideout, they're just going to look right over Wandale Robinson's head. So that's probably his. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Jared, what about you? Yeah, Robinson's so fun. I mean, if he was, you know, 20 pounds heavier, I think he would be long in the first round, but he's only 178 pounds, five foot eight. He has like super tiny hands too. So size is definitely a concern. Might just be Robinson, but he's a, 
he's he's a fun player. Um, D- David Bell, have you heard anything on him, Walter, about you know where the NFL is viewing him? Because production wise, he looks awesome. The testing was really poor. I think that kind of matches the tape. There, you know, there's not much juice to his game, but he he got it done at Purdue. Where do you expect him to go in the NFL draft? I am in the third round. Um, the teams were kind of soured on him just because they think uh, he has some uh, separation issues and like these yeah. speed questions. And yeah, he tested very poorly. That didn't help. Kind of like and Keel Harry uh, kind of concerns there that he's going to be that sort of player where he just can't separate from corners. Uh, but so, I mean, some teams going to take a chance on him and probably the third round, maybe a little bit higher, maybe a, a little bit lower. And it, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he turned out to be a good receiver, uh, just beating the uh, the low expectations teams have of him. But yeah, I think he's probably going to go in the third round. Yeah, everybody's going to cringe just from hearing the name Nikhil Harry at this point, but yeah. <laughs> it's a lot easier to take Nikhil Harry in round three of the NFL draft than it is to take him as a first round pick because nobody that you're nobody that's a round three NFL draft pick and that you're taking in, you know, late two, early three of a rookie draft is truly a bust if he doesn't work out. I got I got one more wide receiver name I want to ask Walter about Justin Ross, who to me is kind of similar to George Pickens had an incredible freshman season at Clemson was sort of tailed off from there and then has major medical issues. You know, he has, he has a back issue. I think his, his medical is probably the most concerning among any of these wide receiver prospects. Um, what are you hearing from, you know, about the NFL's view on him and where do you expect him to go? Yeah. The, the medical is a huge issue. Um, I think we did our first 2023 NFL mock draft a couple of years ago and I had him, um, I think, I think I had him like number three overall or something. <laughs> yeah. like he was, he was so good. His, his first year at Clemson, he's just so much upside. He looked like he was going to be a stud. And then he just kind of fell off. Like the injuries, I, I feel like sapped his production. So it, it's kind of a shame what happened to him, but you know, he could always rebound. Like he can get healthier. Uh, teams aren't going to draft him early because of the injury question marks. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if he fell into the third day. Like if he went like round four or something, maybe round five, even just because teams are going to be like terrified to kind of maybe waste the pick on him. Like his, his, his floor is, is so low. Uh, but I think eventually like teams are going to be like, okay, we just got to take a chance in this guy because he has so much potential. And like, w- like, what are you really talking about? Like in round five, like you're probably going to draft someone who's not going to be in the, in the NFL in a couple of years. So you might as well take a chance on him. So I think he's going to go probably early day three. Dane Brugler had him in round seven of his mm-hmm. mock draft recently. So I'm very interested to see what the NFL mm-hmm. says about, or what, you know, one NFL team says about Justin Ross. Cause I agree with you. Once you get to that round five range, it's like, why not? Unless you really just think that a guy is not going to ever be there again physically. I'd like to see him in Jacksonville back with Trevor Lawrence. He could, you know, kind of take a red shirt this year behind all those guys they've added. Um, then maybe 2023 be a starter there. Uh, it still feels like sending anybody to Jacksonville <laughs> is condemning them. <laughs> We'll see. I hope that Doug Peterson turns that around. A couple guys that I want to throw out that could be either day two or day three wideouts. Khalil Shakir, who we mentioned already, of course, is today's prospect focus on draft shark. So, Jared, before I mention the second guy, why don't you tell me a little bit about Khalil Shakir and where we should expect him to go? I like Shakir with the ball in his hands. I didn't see him creating a ton of separation in his routes. And I think you look at his size, he's probably a slot in the NFL. Um, So a fine player. I don't see a lot of fantasy upside to Shakir, though. Okay. Well, what about you? Yeah. Yeah. I guess it depends where he goes. Um, if he goes to like a pass happy team, like maybe you can say, argue that he can maybe turn out to be something uh, fan- like positive fantasy wise in a couple of years. Um, he's got, he's got like good speed. I think he ran a four, four, three. Uh, so 
Yeah, I, I think I kind of like him as a potential sleeper to start day three. I think he's probably going to go around four or maybe round five. We're just going to have to subtitle this episode Separation Anxiety, I think. But <laughs> along with Khalil Shakir, I got Bo Melton that has been drawing my attention through draft season. And, you know, I, I think it's important to say in both of these guys, I'm not – these aren't guys that I look at with stars in my eyes and I'm taking wherever I need to in a rookie draft. But I'm especially interested because we're talking about how they're unexciting and they're going to slide in the draft. And Shakir mm-hmm. and Bo Melton, to me, look similar – in that they're both mixes of good college market shares, good athleticism in pre-draft testing, size that doesn't stand out, but also isn't terrible. They're bigger than Wandale Robinson. And I'm really waiting on draft capital. They're kind of in the neighborhood where Tyler Johnson was for me a couple of years ago, where you know I probably didn't weigh in his draft capital enough after falling for him ahead of the draft and then maybe overweighted him a little bit in dynasty drafts after that. But I'm curious, both of these guys, and again, I'm not giving up totally on Tyler Johnson. So maybe just the key is to not fall in love too much and make sure that you take in all the factors when you're deciding how to treat them. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched Melton yet. Um, I will be for the draft. Yeah. He's, he was in, uh, he was at Rutgers for five years. Didn't really break out until his fourth year there. Um, he is a bit undersized. So yeah, well, we'll see where he goes. I'm going to, I want to watch him before I uh, say anything else about Bo Melton though. All right, I watched the highlight video, so I'm all set on that. Yeah, you think he's you think he's uh you know the, the next Randy Moss if you watch a YouTube highlight video on any guy. Absolutely, put some music behind him and then a rap <laughs> song. I'm all set. He's going to be a star. Uh, I'll, before I move away from these two players, though, let me mention player profiler comps: Khalil Shakir to Golden Tate, Bo Melton to Tyler Lockett. So that, of course, Ooh, is not going to hurt my affinity. That's form. what got you. <laughs> no, I was before that. I liked I liked the stuff before I got there, and then I saw that, and I was like, oh, baby. Just give me him somewhere before round six, and I'm in. All right, so let's move on to tight ends, and we're certainly not going to spend nearly as long on them as wide receivers because this class doesn't seem like it deserves it, even at a position that rarely deserves it. So I guess, Walt, first, who do you see as the number one tight end in this class, and is this class as underwhelming as it generally seems to be? Yeah, it seems pretty horrible. I mean – like compared to last year, like if you have like Pat Frymuth, who was the second tight end after Kyle Pitts, I would put Frymuth uh, like way above any of these guys. And Frymuth went in the middle of the second round. There's maybe a chance that you might see one of these guys go late second or maybe two of these guys. But I think there's a, there's a decent chance you might see one of these guys go in the third round or the first guy, I should say, uh, go in the third round. Like right now, it's pretty close uh, between three guys, uh, Trey McBride, Greg Dulcich, and Jelani Woods. I think you could order them in any 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 order, really. Um, I, I think I would put McBride over the, the top two, just as I think he's safer. Uh, he's just not a great athlete. But yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty rough uh, if you need a tight end this year. I'm a little surprised McBride isn't getting more love. I mean, he you know, put up 1,100 yards last year even in 2020 I mean, only played four games in in the COVID season but he averaged 82 yards per game in 2020 he led all uh qualifying tight ends in pff receiving grade last year i don't know if they're i don't know if they're probably blocking concerns with mcbride which i know you know we're less concerned about the fantasy football but you know fantasy wise i, I think he looks like someone who could you know definitely help uh, if, if not this season then you know definitely down the road yeah, it's, it's some size issues too. He's like 6'3", 246, um, and he's he's not like great athletically. Um, so he's like his ceiling isn't isn't that high. Like uh, I, I think his, his his floor is pretty high though. Um, so I, yeah, he's good. He's gonna be safer. He's a good route runner. Um, and, and so like I, I like McBride a little bit. Just you know, he's if you're your first tight end in your class, like that's yeah. pretty rough though. 
Yeah. So, I, I mean, I, I'm still working through these guys, but I, I liked what I saw from Trey McBride. I did the write-up for us on him. You know, dominated market share the, the past two years there, as Jared alluded to. Terrific speed for the position, even though he didn't test great otherwise. Um, looks good as a receiver. You kind of have to remember when you're watching him who he's playing against. It's not a great level, but he stands out as a receiver against who he's playing against. Was a multi-sport star in high school, so you like that from the athletic standpoint. You know, the size question is definitely there. 26th percentile height, 20th percentile weight for tight end. I think he's coming along at the right time for that, though. I mean, we look at Travis Kelsey, Hunter Henry, Mark Andrews, Kyle Pitts. All those guys are, you know, bigger and generally better athletes, but they all also played less than 30% of their pass snaps in line last season. Mike Gusecki played 7.4% of his snaps there. So, you know, Trey McBride could just be a slot receiver, and then he looks a little bit better size-wise. You know, I, I, I want to see where these guys go. I think Trey McBride, at this point, from a fantasy standpoint, he might have started draft season way overrated. Like, early best ball drafting had him going tight end 20. So for this coming season, that seemed way too high. Now, though, he's well into tight end three range. You know, it's not even clear that he's the top tight end in the class. So I think it's possible that even before we got a draft spot, he might have already gone from like way overrated to slightly underrated. I'm still anti-rookie tight ends in redraft leagues. I'd rather take a shot on O.J. Howard as my tight end three than, than Trey McBride. For sure. I'm sure, I'm curious to see how far that goes, though, and whether it sure. impacts his um, rookie draft status. Anybody else here worth tracking to you, Walt, in this tight end class? Yeah, I mentioned uh, Greg Dulcich. Uh, he's a good athlete, good route runner. Um, he's just raw. And, th- and then I also mentioned Jelani Woods, who's kind of like on the other end of the spectrum for McBride. Like he's an amazing athlete. He's, he's 6'7", uh, 253, so he doesn't have those size concern- concerns. And he's, he's uh, like super athletic, but he only has one year of production. He's really raw. Uh, so, um, yeah, it's it's kind of like, you know, there are definitely big flaws with these guys. You have to, you have to decide like, do you want the, the guy who's smaller and not a great athlete? Or do you want the guy who is extremely raw and just may not develop into anything? It's, it's like I said, it's not a good year to want a tight end. 100th percentile relative athletic score for Jelani Woods. Like he is a freak. And he, I was, you know, looking into him today, actually, he was a high school quarterback moved to tight end his red shirt season at Oklahoma state as Walter mentioned, you know, didn't do anything at Oklahoma state had a pretty nice season at Virginia last year, but you know, that I, I just think he probably has room to grow considering, you know, he's still pretty inexperienced at tight end. Yeah. So I think in this class it's wait, 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 and then take somebody late that has something that you like. Nobody's going to have the entire package. One more guy that I think I'll be watching to see where he goes is Isaiah likely from coastal Carolina, six, five, two forty five. Uh, could stand to be a little bit thicker, but, you know, taller than Trey McBride. Not fast, 17th percentile speed score. So that's not a killer at tight end, but obviously you'd like a little bit more there. But early breakout in college, strong college dominator, second in the class behind McBride in PFF receiving grade last year. So, you know, I'll, I'll be interested to see where he goes and what the outlook is from there. Well, before we head out, Walt, what should people expect to see on and from WalterFootball.com in the coming days and weeks? Uh, just tons of draft coverage. We have our, our six-round mock draft, actually two six-round mock drafts on the site. And I actually updated the 2023 NFL mock draft today. 
Uh, we also did something fun uh, today for 420. We did a backward mock draft, so you can see uh, what teams do in a, in a reverse order. Like, not not so fun for the Lions because they're number one in a reverse order, but we had, like, the Bengals number two, the Chiefs at three and four. Like, what would they do? So that's, that's something fun we do every year. Uh, but, yeah, during draft week, we're going to have uh, an updated mock draft every week. Uh, Charlie's going to have some breaking stories, as he always does. And, um, yeah, during draft weekend, we're going to have uh, draft grades minutes after every pick, and we're going to grade every draft trade. So tons of coverage. If you're into the draft, uh, check that out. And then after, after the draft, we're going to have updated fantasy rankings. Nice. We'll be looking for all those. I'm going to go ahead and assume that the grades are better than what Mel Kuyper puts out grade-wise after the draft. <laughs> but we'll watch and see just to check each of those. He is the creator and head honcho of WalterFootball.com, Walter Cherapinski. Thanks again for joining us today. Thanks so much, guys. Absolutely. We are about a week away from the start of the 2022 NFL draft. Head over to DraftSharks.com now. Read all of those free Dynasty Prospect scouting reports that we referred to. We'll be posting our pre-draft rookie rankings early next week. Then, of course, we'll blow them up once we get NFL landing spots. And we'll have more rookie rankings out after that. We'll also be doing our usual streams from DraftSharks Draft Weekend away from Rochester next week. So keep an eye out for those. For our guest, Walter Cherapinski, Jared Smola, and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shaw saying thanks so much for swimming with us.